Well, praise the Lord, saints of God. Praise the Lord. Hello, this is Pastor Mark A. Stroud. And once again, I want to thank you so much for joining me for yet another episode of Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, we're going to continue in the series entitled The Have and the Have Nots. Today, we will hear part number eight, and it is entitled Watch Where You Point Your Finger. That's right. Watch where you point your finger. In this world today, the last thing that it needs is a pointing finger of condemnation coming from the church. Remember, the father said that he sent Jesus into the world not to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. My friends, they don't need a finger. They need a hand. A hand out of the filth, a hand out of the muck and mire, a hand that extends to the grace of God. And you are the one that's going to show them what Christ is like. So I thank you so much for joining me. We're going to have a great time today. So sit back, relax, and buckle your seatbelts because here comes the rich word of God. All right. Um, let's go to John 15, and uh, we're going to just start here today. I'm going to read three verses. As we continue in the uh, series entitled The Have and Have Nots, today we're going to subtitle this. Watch where you point your finger. Praise the Lord. Watch where you point your finger. Amen. All right, John 15, 15. We're going to read 15 through 17. Uh, and it reads like this out of the King James Version. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you what? Friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that uh, whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he will give it you. These things I command you, that ye do what? Love one another. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this word, for this time that you have called us here together to gather around your word as family, as one body in Christ. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just teach us. You are the teacher. We ask that you would give us that divine revelation, that, that word from heaven that will bless our hearts, that will settle our souls, that will inspire us, that will keep us. Lord, we want to feel you today. We want to experience your presence we want to uh, be fed your word. And now, Lord, we all just declare that we can do none of this without you. We can do nothing without you. So this morning, by faith, we lean on you and we rely on you. Now let your anointing just fill the atmosphere. That every heart be fed from the oldest to the youngest. We bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. Let every heart say amen. All right. Now, we're going to, I've read that because I want to just bring this up from the tail end of last week. Remember, we spoke from the subject last week of the slave of Christ, right? The slave of Christ. Now, I want to bring this up to you because there is a transition that happens here. The Lord says in verse 15, henceforth, I call you not servants. Henceforth, meaning um, before this time, I have called you servants. Remember the word uh, servant in the Greek is uh, doulos. And doulos means slave, right, or, or um, bondman, or someone in a servile condition, a slave. So the Lord said, henceforth I call you not servants, or I call you not slaves, 
but I call you friends. I want to show you uh, the transition. First, the Lord calls them, right? He calls them. He said, come, follow me. He's making them disciples. So from follower, we can say follower to slave and from slave to friend. Are you understanding? Why do, we make that why do we make that distinction? Because there are many that call Jesus friend, but have never been his slave and have never been a follower of him or a disciple of him. There is a transition. Are you hearing? He calls us. He calls us to follow him, uh, to be his disciple. Then he, he calls us slaves. And then we become friends. And ultimately, we become sons of God. Now, of course, sons not denoting gender, but it's denoting our position in him. We begin to look like Christ. Amen? Amen. So it was necessary that we go back to understanding what slave was, a slave to Christ, a servant. Here again, the word servant is slave. He said henceforth, meaning before this point, he was calling them. He, ent he entitled them slaves. They were there. Now here again, a slave means that your will is not your own. You leave your stuff behind. Remember the Lord said, unless you're willing to do that, you cannot be my disciple. If you don't love me more than father, mother, sister, brother, cousin, uncle, even Rufus, you cannot be his disciple. <laughs> right? You must hate everyone else in comparison. Right? He must be. And really, that talks about emptying yourself. Now, I hope that you grab a hold of this. When the Lord talks about loving him more, he's talking about or, or hating everyone else in comparison. Now, obviously, the Lord is not telling us to hate people because he tells us to love them, right? But not loving with your human love. Human love is here one minute and it is gone the next. You can love somebody. I remember being in uh, elementary school or high school, and I thought I was in love with this young lady. Ooh, in homeroom. But by lunchtime, oh, my God. Lunchtime, I'm looking for somebody else. She did something I didn't like. I don't know. Whoa, love goes out the door. That human love. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So when the Lord says, hey, you've got to love me more, you've got to really, uh, Lord, the Bible declares that we should love the Lord thy God with all, love him with all of your heart, love him with all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength, all. Now, if I give you all my money, how much do I have left? I have none, right? If you give me, no, no, this is not L.A., so I'm not going to even bring that up. Anyway. All means everything. All excludes nothing. So the Lord said, love me with all of it. You put all your eggs in my basket. And then what the Lord will do was fill you, is fill you with his love, the God kind of love for spouse, for children, for friend, for relative, right? God's love. Now, how many of you would rather, rather your neighbor, your loved one love you with God's love? Now, what's God's love like? His love is so perfect towards you that it doesn't dwindle when you do something wrong. It doesn't lose steam, not one bit. It's kind of like you put a, a, uh, a little toy on the train tracks, 
a little toy train on train tracks and the big train comes and it's coming at 70, 80 miles an hour, you think that big train is gonna lose any steam when it rolls over that little toy on the track? None whatsoever. Just run right over it. Well, God's love for us doesn't change, especially when you do something wrong. It is the same. And it doesn't change either when you do something incredibly right. You cannot make him love you more and you cannot make him love you less. Why? Because his love is perfect. It is perfection. You can't add to perfection. It is perfect. It is flawless. So the Lord said, I want you to empty yourself with the love of man and let me fill you with my love. Put all, all that you have, uh, put all that in me and I will fill you. Not only with a love for mankind, but I'll fill you uh, with the love that is meant for him. He fills you. He doesn't even want your human love, your human love toward him. Why? Because it's still flawed. Today I love you, Lord, but next week, oh, you didn't show up when I thought you were going to show up. Why you didn't do this when you said? What happened? We begin to back away. But yet still, we still humanly declare that we love you. Right? So that love, that human love, that fleshly love, that sensuous love, or that whatever type of love that we have that we've generated here as human beings is not going to surpass the test of time. Hallelujah. So if you feel with God's love toward your spouse, I guarantee you, you're not going to be slipping and hiding and doing all this other stuff. Hallelujah. If you're filled with God's love toward your children, when they act like something, 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 I guarantee you, you're still going to um, accept them and in love, right? The problem is, it's not that we haven't had love, but we haven't had the God kind of love. Hallelujah. All right. So the Lord calls us. He calls us first. He calls us and says, follow, follow me, follow in my footsteps. He makes us disciples. From disciples, we become slaves servants slaves and from slaves he calls us friends and from friends he calls us sons of God denoting position with him amen, amen. so we may need to go back if you say well I know God I know I'm a friend of his I know I'm a friend but if there is you know if we feel that that um scratching on the inside then we need to go back and reaffirm ourselves and say lord i present my body here's romans 12 romans 12 1 and 2 i present my body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto you lord which is my reasonable servant right you're presenting your body yourself to god that slave right i'm yours i yield myself to you totally completely i yield to you i give myself away to you that slave and then the Lord says, I call you friends. And then from friend, we find ourselves there in uh, sonship. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. That is so wonderful. So I needed you to see that transition before we go further. So as we talk here again, as, as we're in the subject, uh, have, have not. So we talk about uh, watch where you point your finger. Understand something. The Lord called the church to do many things. But one thing he did not call us to do was condemn. Hallelujah. That's one thing it did not call you to do is to condemn and judge others. Are you hearing me? Now, the Lord sent us to do a specific thing. As a matter of fact, let's go to John. Let's go to John 20. Let me show you this. I want, I want you to follow this. 
We're still in John. Let's go flip over a couple of chapters to John 20. And let me show you the, the mission. One, the mission. We're going to talk about two things today, or the mission or the purpose of the church. John 20. And uh, let's look here at, um, at verse 19. John 20, verse 19. It says this. Then the same day at evening, uh, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed, them, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21. This is very big. Are you hearing me? It's a very big statement coming up. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you. As my father hath sent me, even so I send you. That is huge. Understand something. That is a huge statement. He says again, as, the, as my father has sent me, so I send you. As the father has sent me, even so I send you. As the father sent me. Now Jesus is the head of the church. Amen. If you want perfect theology, look at Jesus. All right. We are to pattern our lives after Jesus Christ. But in today's modern day church, we find preachers patterning themselves, patterning themselves after other preachers. We find the, a lot of people in church patterning, patterning ourselves after the world. Remember uh, Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed. That is to uh, be, that is uh, to form yourself or allow yourself to be formed in the patterns of the world. And the world has a pattern, Right? Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, we're going to get to that in a second, too. Y'all got to help me today. Y'all going to help me today? All right. So the Lord says here again, verse 21, this is very big. This is a very big statement. He says, as the father sent me, so I am sending you. He's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to his church. Okay. Now, the question would be, how did the Father send Jesus? We'll stay in the book of John and go to John 3. Go to John, the third chapter. How, how did the Father send Jesus? Well, let's go to John 3, 16. When you got it, say, I got it. John 3, 16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, very big statement. Remember the question was, how did God send Jesus? If we know how the Father sent Jesus, we'll also know how Jesus is sending us. Right? Isn't that what we just read? The Lord Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. So how is Jesus sending the church? How is he sending us? Well, the same way the Father sent him. Well, how did the Father send Jesus? Look at verse 17. For God what? Sent. For God what? Sent. For God sent not his son into, rather, for God sent not his son into the world to do what? Condemn. To condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. Do you see that? Jesus was not sent by God to condemn, to point a finger. 
Now the word condemn means it does mean to judge. It also means uh, to set aside or to or, or to put asunder. Now if Jesus came to the earth to condemn, then no flesh would be saved. Nobody would be saved because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have. So if he came to earth to judge to point a finger and says. Now, he's the righteous judge. He's the only one that can say, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're going to hell. You're no good. You're worth nothing. He's the only one who had the ability to do that rightly and justly. So the father said, I did not send my son into the world to condemn. Because if that were the case, humanity has no hope. Are you on, does that make sense to you? So Jesus said again, as the father sent me, so I'm sending you. How did the father send Jesus? He did not send him to what? To condemn. But what do we find in today's modern day church? A lot of condemnation. A lot of judgment. And most judged by outward, outward appearance. Judged by the cover of the book. But they don't they haven't opened up the book and read the story. Are you hearing? So when you see a quote unquote Christian say pointing a finger. Remember, watch why you point, watch where you point that finger. If you see them pointing a finger in condemnation. Then you already know that's not how the father sent Jesus and that's not how Jesus sends you. Are you hearing? Now, the pattern of the world is this, and you'll find this a lot in advertisements, the pattern of the world. The pattern of the world, when the world wants to show stuff or wants to sell stuff, they'll have to invariably break you down, show you what, uh, that you have nothing to build their product up. They um, condemn you or condemn, they say, well, uh, don't you want this new car? Look at your old car, this and that and the other. They have to tear yours down in order to build themselves up. Okay, many in today's church try to tear people down when they're at the door. Why are you here? Why are you looking like that? Why are you doing? What in the world are you? Are you hearing? That's not Christ, is it? No, it's not. We relate to sin the way Jesus related to sin. Okay, we relate to sin. We relate to the sinner the way Jesus related to the sinner. Well, how did Jesus relate to the sinner? Did he come to men and say, you're no good, sorry, so-and-so, I don't want you in my presence? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, the sinners were welcomed in his presence. They were, the sinner was drawn to Jesus. Are you hearing? They were repulsed by the religious Pharisees and Sadducees. They, the religious, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they condemned the sinner but Jesus did not come to condemn. He came to offer life. Are you hearing? Amen. So when so-and-so comes to the door and they have had a checkered past, oh boy, you think your past is bad, but boy, they really had a checkered past. Do we, A, like a Pharisee, say, what are you doing here? Or do we, A, or rather B, like Jesus, let me switch them around or whatever. Then we be like Jesus and say, come on, Amen. you're welcome. Amen. 
Are you hearing? Because God did not send Jesus into the world to what? Condemn, but to offer life. To offer life. And we believe and are so sure, we know that once the king of glory really comes in, he always rearranges the furniture. When he comes into your house, this house here, when he comes into you, he always cleans up and rearranges the furniture. We were watching a show while I was passing by um, as we, as my family was watching a show about trash hoarders. Have you seen that before or heard about that? Trash hoarders? Yeah. They had hoarded trash. All the, I mean, big piles. They show big piles of trash. It's bottles and cans and just trash. And, you know, of course, you got trash. You got roaches. You got rats. You got all this stuff. But the people were living there, living there with all the filth. I mean, big piles of trash up in corners on the floors big piles of trash of course there's a stench there's a smell the next door neighbor is complaining to the health department do something about this but those in the house the mother in the house uh, when someone came in to tell her about it was offended don't make me feel bad like that are you understanding now we say, my God, that's strong lady. Don't you see? Don't you smell what's going on? But see, this is like here again, the average sinner that has trash all in the house. They've been doing things a set way for a long time, and now they're used to the smell. Now they're used to the filth. They're used to stepping over and kicking this aside. All the trash, all the, the bugs, they're used to picking up a pot and the roach crawls from under it. They're used to picking up their shoes and, 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 uh, and knocking their shoes out so they can put them on because bugs call, crawl out of it. That's normal. But then here comes today, meaning today's church. Oh, this is terrible. What you're doing? Oh, this is so nasty. What's wrong with you? This is gross. Oh, how is that going to make them feel? They already feel bad. Deep inside, they already know that this is a bad situation, but they don't have the power to clean it up themselves. Have you ever felt that way before? Yeah. Situation so bad, you're in a bad situation, and you're in so deep that you don't know how to get out of it yourself. Amen. And the last thing you need is for somebody to come and point their finger at you, telling you how bad it is. You already know how bad it is. Hallelujah. But at the same time, she didn't want anybody to come in and grab a vacuum either. She wasn't ready for that. She wasn't ready for people to come in there and to spray for the bugs and all that. She wasn't ready for that. Why? Because they did it. She just went right back and trashed the house up again. She needed help on the inside first. And then the outside would follow. Are you hearing? So here's the pattern in today's church. Let me condemn you. I see this beer bottle in your hand. Let me condemn you. I see the drugs in your hand. Let me condemn you. You're going with how many women have you been with now? How many men have you been with now? Here's a, here's a pattern of the church to condemn you with what you are, where you are, with what you are doing, with all the trash all around you. 
But Jesus said, I didn't come down to condemn. I came down to change your heart. And in changing your heart, your whole life changes. Because when the Lord shows you another way, then you say, it does smell pretty bad in here. Maybe I will pick up that piece. Mm, That feels good. Let Let me pick up another piece. All of a sudden, you're not connected to the trash. He has broken the connection to the trash. And then you are free to clean up. Are you understanding? Here again, this is why you cannot judge a book by the cover because you don't know the story behind what they did. This particular woman, this pattern started, I believe, with the death of a loved one. So many horrible events happened to drive her to get into that lifestyle. And it started slowly but surely, this bag, then that, and then just losing her life. How much trauma have people been through to end up where they are? Loss of a spouse, loss of a, uh, you know, loss of a child, loss of a job, loss of this, disappointed after disappointment, disappointment after disappointment, bad thing after bad thing happened. They're not under recovering. They're not under recovering. Christ is not Lord. And so they're open season for the devil. And so he's tormenting them. And the last thing they need is for us to come and tell them, oh, you are homosexual. You're not welcome here. What kind of filth is that? Oh, you're a lesbian. You're not welcome here. What kind of filth is that? I don't care what you call the thing. We need them. God came for them. Are you understanding? Because Jesus knows if his mission was condemned, if the church's mission, if our mission was to condemn, who would get saved? Who who would give their life to Jesus? And here again, we are sure and we know that once a soul is converted, that is, once Jesus comes inside, he always helps them. And he begins the rearranging of the furniture and shows them what is true and shows them what is right. Your job in the church is not to condemn, but to simply show them another way. Show them truth. Show them Christ. Our job is to be transfigured. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and go to Romans. We talked about, let's go back, go go there just a second. And I'm gonna say something that's gonna shock some of y'all just a few moments. Here's a word some of you may not believe. Two words. I'm closing. (laughs) Are you hearing? I've heard one preacher, somebody call one preacher, you like the Waffle House, you never close. There's a change that is coming. Romans 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. You got that? If not, just listen. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. 
by the renewing of your mind, transformed more than meets the eye. All about something, 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 something. The Decepticon. It's just me. Praise the Lord. Just doing what I do. The Lord says here, be not conformed, but be transformed. Transformed. To be transformed means to be, uh, to change into another form. It means to transform, it means to be transfigured. Here is one of the purposes of the church, and I'm going to get this in the next few minutes. If we look at Matthew, we can go to Matthew, Matthew 17. If you can flip fast, if not, I'm just going to read it to you. Matthew 17, uh, verses 1 through 3. This is what the church is supposed to look like and is supposed to do right here. Verse 1 says, And after six days, Jesus uh, taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an into, uh, high mountain apart after six days. After six, of course, number of man. What, what number comes after six? Seven. Any mathematicians? Seven. So after six days, this must be the what day? Seven. The seventh day. Man created, right? The spirit of man created on the, on the sixth day, right? Uh, on the seventh day, here comes the body being formed. On the seventh day, God breathes uh, life into the breath of life into man's nostrils, and man becomes a living soul. All right, here's what's happening to the church here. This is a this is your prophetic word concerning the church. The seventh day in that complete time and the fullness of time, and this is the time that we're entering to right now. We've already entered into it. The Lord Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. He does not take all of the 12. He only takes three of the 12 and brings them up into an exceeding high place, into a high mountain. He takes them up higher. Some have the capacity to go up higher with him. Some have a hunger to go higher with him, while others are simply complacent where they are. Not saying there's anything wrong with the other nine that was down there, but the other nine gave place to the birthing, nine number birthing, gave birth to the three that went up with the Lord. So there's a percentage of the church, hear me, there's a percentage of the church that is still hungry for God, that is still thirsting for God, that still wants more of him, that is crying out to him. It is those that God will transform. Are you hearing me? Let me show you this. Jesus being the picture of the church. All right, he's there at the church. He takes him to a very high mountain. Verse 2 says, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment, as, uh, his raiment was white uh, as the light. Now I'm going to stop there. Now understand something. In that moment, he was transfigured. Remember the word transform? Uh, in the Greek also means to be transfigured. The Lord wants us to be transfigured, transformed. Look like him. Now here's this glorious church beginning to shine. Now Jesus is the last Adam. The Bible declares that he is our elder brother. We should be patterned 
and uh, pattern after his image, after his likeness. And in these last days, you're going to see the appearance of the true church of the sons of God that are transformed, that are transfigured right here in this earth realm. You're going to see us begin to glow. Now, I'm not saying save your batteries for flashlights. I mean, you don't need to buy that. I'm not saying that. But there, did you get that? Did you get what I said? Yeah, no. But what I am saying is that there will be such a difference in you. You will stand out so differently as you are in the light of Christ above all others. Those that hunger, those that thirst will stand out above all others. Now what's happening? Peter, James, John, they're in the mountain with the Lord Jesus up there. And they're seeing the Lord transfigured in front of them, which is a picture of the end time church being transfigured. The glorious light coming upon the end time church where you have the others still down the valley. They're down there having problems because they're trying to cast out a demon and demon won't go. They are frustrated in the valley. Discombobulated in the valley, if you will. They don't know what to do. They're saying, wait till Jesus comes. Wait till our master gets back. He'll know what to do. He'll know what to do. He'll know what to do. And what's a lot of church doing today? Oh, Jesus, come on soon, Lord. Please come on. You know what to do with this wicked economy. You know what to do. Please come on, come on. While the other part of the church, the three, are in the glory with the Lord, being transfigured in his presence. And these are the ones that are going to effect a change in this society today. Those that have a hunger and are really a thirst for him. Does that make sense to you? And guess what? That won't happen if you go around, you're going to hell. I condemn you. I judge you. Now, there are times when God will speak, may speak to you and tell you to tell this person, hey, this is not right. You need to stop this behavior. But when the Lord does that, it is always in love. And I guarantee you, when the person hears that, they'll receive it in love. Now, and I guarantee you as well, it probably is not the first time God has spoken that to them. Okay? But at that time, it is not your duty to, uh, to, 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 it is not your obligation to make them hear it. Your obligation is just to give them what God has given to you. All right? If I see my children walking in the wrong way, I'm just not going to look at them. If you see your children, if you see a snake down there, a boa constrictor or a pi- and a python uh, down there, along with the cobra and a coral snake or whatever, and they're having a party down there, they got their party hats on, you know, party over here, party over They got all that going on over there. And you see your child about to walk that way. You know, oh, no, no. You see them walking in the direction of that. Are you just going to sit there? No. You're going to tell them, first of all, hey, hey, there's something over there. Don't, Don't go over there. And if they continue, hey, hey, there's something over there. Don't go over there. Don't go over there. And as parents, I know you're going to jump in front of the danger, between the danger and the child. And if you have to, you're going to pick them up and carry them off somewhere. But obviously, we cannot do that for everybody, can we? 
But the Lord will give you that word that will help them, that will help not only your children, but those that are around you. He'll show you the danger. And when you, see, when you perceive the danger, you let the people know. You let them know. Be used of God. Amen? Amen. But going around judging, condemning, that's not your job. Please tell your neighbor, that's not your job. God did not send you to do that. All right? Consider again, as we close, Consider again the lady in the house, the trash hoarder. She already knows it stinks. She already knows it's bad, but she's in so deep and she can't get out. And she needs somebody help. She needs a hand, not a finger. Take that any way you want to take it. She needs a hand, not a finger. So we pray for them. And we offer our hand. We offer them love. We offer them salvation. We offer, offer them truth. And then let God deal with them. Let God get in their heart. All right? So even, let's say, go back to that example. The lady receives the Lord in her heart, but the house is still messy and trashy. But when you go back over there, continue to love on her. And y'all talk about Jesus together. And sooner or later, she'll see it. And things begin to change. She'll be, able to be able, she'll be able to receive more and more light. More and more light. And her life will change. Amen. I pray you've heard the word of God today. We're done in Jesus' mighty name. Give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Hallelujah. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.